0: Hi everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Debrief. This week, it's an eventful week at the Vatican in the days leading up to the Synod. Then we'll talk about Cardinal Fernandez publishing not one but two responses to the dubia regarding Pope Francis' teaching. And then third, tomorrow, the Vatican will release a new apostolic exhortation by Pope Francis on the climate crisis.
1: Hey, Whoa, Mike. here we are. Yeah. How are you doing? Good, I'm good. How are you? Good.
0: So we delayed a day because yesterday was Dubia day. 30-second uh, overview on that before we dive in.
1: Yeah, so basically um, early in the morning, we had uh, a set of two sets of Dubia, new Dubia, released by Cardinal Burke, mm-hmm. who's one of the Dubia Cardinals 1.0 from 2016. He and Cardinal Brand uh, who was another one, and three new cardinals, uh issued two sets of dubia to the Pope this summer, and it was published yesterday. And then another cardinal had another dubia. And anyway, it was hectic. That was the dubia is is my issue. Like I just everything surrounding that, including in the first one, so it was sort of a lot of riches and a lot of, um, frustration, but I sort of, uh, I, w- I felt compelled because the responses to the dubia weren't in English when they were first released. I wanted to get the information to the people. So that thank you for your patience in, uh, the, to our viewers, our listeners, and most of all, to my sidekick, my partner in, uh, debriefing, I guess. <laughs> Dominic.
0: Okay, thanks, Mike. So yes, friends, welcome to The Debrief. It's our weekly show where we're talking about news, questions, and controversies facing the Catholic Church. I'm Dominic DeSouza, the founder of Smart Catholics.
1: And I'm Mike Lewis, the co-founder and editor of the website wherepeteris.com.
0: So first on the menu today, we're talking about new cardinals and pre-gaming on the upcoming synod. So we've been talking about this in the last couple of months. So on Saturday, Pope Francis created 21 new cardinals from 16 nations, and this brought the total number of cardinals in the college to 242 members from 91 countries um, of whom 137 are under the age of 80 and have the right to vote in the next conclave. Any highlights that you can share on this?
1: Yeah. I mean, basically, uh, this was the first event in a sequence of pre synod events in the, in the church, um, beginning with these new cardinals, uh, Pope Francis issued, uh, his homily to them was on the subject of synodality. Um, and the image that he used throughout during his homily was that the College of Cardinals is called to resemble a symphony orchestra representing the harmony and the synodality of the church. So that was uh, an interesting message there. And uh, But yeah, it, it, it sort of had the energy of like, okay, things are going to get rolling. Mm-hmm. Um, just like the synod on the Amazon, I think, was precluded by a, a group of new cardinals as well.
0: Okay so we we discussed some of the big names among the new cardinals in the past. Do you have any any other comments about the new crop of cardinals?
1: Um really just once again I want to congratulate uh Cardinal Christoph Pierre. Gonna to have to get used to that because Archbishop Pierre is something that that I've been invoking ever since the beginning of where Peter is and and on the debrief. So just uh very happy for him and congratulations to him. He is the uh, apostolic nuncio of the, for the Uni- to the United States, and he's originally from France, and I think that he has done a great job of trying to convey Pope Francis's message in the United States. Um, the only other thing, and I don't, I don't, I didn't see it brought up by anybody else, but this was actually the first conclave or consistory. This was the first consistory in the Pope Francis era, in which the new cardinals didn't take a trip to visit Pope Emeritus Benedict he passed away on uh December 31st of last year and this was the first consistory since then uh it had become a tradition for even as he he aged and grew older and older but for the for the new cardinals to come visit uh greet pray with and and accept the um you know the wisdom of the Pope Emeritus and so it was a loss i think that that was likely felt by Pope Francis and by other members of the College of Cardinals who were named in the last 10 years. And and I certainly felt it. Um, obviously, it's a a ritual that can only be done, has only been a possibility during Francis's papacy. But I, I hope that in the future, if another pope resigns, this type of sign of respect is, is shown to um, the predecessor of the new pope.
0: Beautiful. Thank you. Um, Anything else from the past few days?
1: Yeah. So um, the other thing is following this consistory, the participants in the synod started a period of prayer and reflection, um, almost a retreat atmosphere. Uh, Pope Francis has, uh, he tabbed the former head of the Dominicans, um, an English priest, uh, Timothy Radcliffe, Um, to lead the reflections, to lead the conferences in advance of the synod. Um, And unfortunately, we haven't posted anything about them on Where Peter Is, but I've read several of them, and they're actually really beautiful reflections. And um, they help us understand what it means to be a synodal church, what it means to listen, um, what it means to let go of ideology and attachments. And I think that's the key to a successful synod. So um hopefully sometime within the next few days we'll have a little feature with links to this um for where Peter is. But um when people say that this is that the synod is not a parliament, but it's a way of just existing as a church, uh this is exactly what they were talking about. This um these ideas, these concepts that that Father Radcliffe is sharing. So um we'll provide links to them, uh, but in in the show notes but i i definitely uh want to encourage people to read to read these reflections
0: so speaking of the church not being a parliament but but the synodality being a way of life we've got um one of our cardinals cardinal victor fernandez Prefect of the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith, he had a busy day yesterday. He posted two documents on the DDF website, both of which were responses to dubia submitted by cardinals, asking questions about Pope Francis' teaching. One of them, was a response to Cardinal Raymond Burke and four other cardinals who submitted a set of dubia or doubts to Pope Francis, seeking clarification on points of doctrine and discipline ahead of the Synod on Synodality at the Vatican. So you also had a busy day yesterday, just trying to keep up. Can you discuss this response and then provide some context?
1: Yes. So let me just give you an overview of the day. And actually, um, Michael Lofton at Reason and Theology gave a pretty pretty good rundown of of this um it all started early in the morning um, when cardinal raymond burke who is an outspoken critic of pope francis posted on his website and what he posted were two sets of dubia one of them was submitted by himself cardinal brandmuller uh, cardinal zen cardinal sarah and i believe cardinal sandoval who is from mexico Um, These were questions about synodality, divinely revealed truth, um, the possibility of women's ordination or uh, the possibility of of, uh, some kind of blessing of same-sex unions being possible in the church. Um, And what he did not publish was the response that was issued by Pope Francis on July 11th. So let's, let's get this straight back in 2016, these Cardinals, well, Cardinal Burke and three others submitted dubia regarding the apostolic exhortation, uh, Amoris Laetitia. Now the way that these questions were framed, it was sort of setting up a, a false dichotomy. They were posed as yes, no questions, but within those questions, were assumptions and assertions and words that were open to different interpretations. And there was an accompanying letter that says, if Pope Francis answers yes to dubia number one, um, then it could mean this error, this error, or this error. When none of those three errors were a possibility, it would have required a long, well thought out response that would have had to take into account all of these contingencies Anyway, so, but their argument was, this is traditional, this is yes, no questions. Usually when people send dubia to the Vatican, whether they go to the Castery for worship, or the interpretation of pontifical texts, or the DDF, or the Pope himself, which is somewhat unorthodox to to have the Pope answer these types of questions, they're open-ended questions. They are looking for people, the people who submitted, submit them, whether they are bishops, lay people, theologians, um, pastors, these questions are, are looking for a response. Um, am I supposed to do this or am I supposed to do that? Um, during, I remember during COVID, one of the bishops, um, in his diocese, he actually, uh, set out a rule that you, um, if you were going to receive communion during this part of COVID, you could only receive in the hand, um, now canon law says to some degree that um you know it's the right of the faithful to receive on the tongue but given the extraordinary circumstances that's that's what he decided so one of the members of his diocese one of the faithful wrote a dubium to the Vatican and it was respond and he, they got a response from the uh, congregation for divine worship saying that in this extraordinary circumstance what the bishop did is allowable so that's an answer now this individual presumably received a response this bishop received a response the individual did not identify him or herself but the bishop of course having this official response from the Vatican posted this on on the website it was flashed out on social media there's an official response so you can see you can see kind of the the dichotomy if you get the answer you want, you're gonna wave that in front of everyone. If you don't get the answer you want, you kind of let that slide. I know another theologian who submitted a dubium to the, to the DDF years ago and received a polite response that said, essentially said, thank you very much for the work that you do in this area. This is not something we're going to respond to. That's not something generally you will advertise but what these cardinals were doing what they did back in 2016 and what they did again was that they wanted a particular response from the pope they wanted to set a trap they wanted to set a false dichotomy you know who do, when jesus was asked um you know is it faithful to pay taxes or i forget the exact he said render unto caesar what is caesar's and render unto unto god what's god's didn't answer the question directly a lot of times answered in parables because of the way that the questions were were laid out pope francis did not acknowledge them did not reply to them there's actually a possibility that he didn't receive them because cardinal kafara confirmed that he delivered it to the pope's residence but there's, they didn't receive, to my knowledge, any official confirmation that the Pope had seen them or that the Pope was declining. Um, and the Pope said the first time he heard about it was in was in the news the day that they published these dubia and said that they hadn't received a response. Long story. Okay, so that's that's dubia. That's how they're supposed to work and how these cardinals were trying to make it work. So they submit this dubia on this new set of dubia on July 10th. July 11th, they promptly get a response from the Pope, signed by the Pope on these questions. Um, and the very first thing, the very first question had to do with um, the dogma, dogma and divine revelation. And they asked, can it change? I don't have the text in front of me, but essentially, um, what pope francis said in his reply was that it depends on what you mean by change um you know obviously there are eternal truths that can't be touched that are part of divine revelation but in terms of doctrinal development you know the gospel is being continually revealed to us it's being refreshed to us anew he brought up how past magisterial teachings and even scripture seemed to tolerate slavery, but the magisterium over the years has shifted on the question. And it, and basically the, the magisterium has grown and developed and the official position of the churches is, is, is that the magisterium is now even more closely in alignment with divine revelation, with the gospel, with the message of Christ. So... Anyway, each, each of these questions, he provides an answer that says, well, if you mean this, then this. But what I'm trying to say is yada, yada, yada. Well, because he didn't provide one word answers, this same group of cardinals issued a, uh, a reworded, reformulated version of these dubia questions. Now, what that reveals to me is that they perhaps aren't interested in hashing out the nuances and they are trying to box in the Pope, trying to box in the movement of the Holy Spirit in the church. Um, It's pretty cheeky, um, especially since the, you know, the, the big outcry last time was that he didn't respond at all. Instead, this time... He provides, within 24 hours, a thorough and complete and nuanced and theologically rich response to their questions, and for them to just sort of brush them aside and not even quote directly from his responses in issuing a new response or a new set of dubious saying, no, 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 we want you to answer only with yes or no, doesn't seem to fit in with any kind of mature theological discussion within an ecclesial setting we can talk about possibilities now whether something's promulgated officially as doctrine that's the job of the magisterium to decide but if they don't like some something that's being discussed and and the funny thing is within that particular uh response on july 11th he said you're decrying synodality, but what you're doing right here, you want to, en- well, you presumed they wanted to engage, they wanted to challenge yeah. the theology of these subjects, and they just wanted to shut it down. And I think this is what Pope Francis is talking about. So, the, so this is what happened, though. Cardinal Burke posts the two sets of dubia, but he did not post the response from the Pope. So, you know, from what he's posted that they're unsatisfied with the Pope's response from the second set, you can read what their issues were or how they interpreted his response, but they didn't let you read from the Pope themselves. And early on, they were telling journalists that it was a private letter to them. So it was inappropriate to publish this. Well, on September 25th, Cardinal Fernandez had an, had an audience with Pope Francis in his role as um, prefect for the dicastery um, or uh, for the doctrine of the faith. Um, and he brought with him those dubia from Pope Francis and he asked if it would be possible to make these responses public. And Pope Francis signed it and said, yes. So after after Cardinal Burke posts the two sets of dubia, then Cardinal Fernandez posts his responses on the website for the DDF, the official Vatican website. But he wrote the responses, or his letter and Pope Francis's responses were in Spanish. It was a scanned document. It was a little bit skewed. The language was a little theological. Um, well, as soon as that was brought to my attention, my day was... Caught up in we need to get an English translation of this up ASAP mm-hmm. just to you know quell any fires or anything like that um so I'm a monoglot but you know I only speak English and it was a scan document but between various OCR programs and the skewing programs and um you know reformatting things because there was, you know, when you when it turns into a PDF, there's a hard return at the end of every line. So I cleaned up the formatting, um, reproduced the formatting from the scan, uploaded it to the deep L translator, ran through it, looked for weird typos and weird wording, just tried to clean it up. I hadn't even read it at this point. So you're ta- we're talking about, yes, it's a machine translation, but mm-hmm. I wasn't trying to like impose my own ideology. I just wanted to get something up there that was hopefully 90% accurate that, so that the usual suspects wouldn't go into a tizzy. Yeah. And, okay. and so we had a, it went viral, people referring to it, clicking on it. About an hour or two later, Cardinal Burke's website suddenly has two documents or three documents instead of two. He, it, it's not just dubia one and dubia two is dubia one. Francis's response and dubia too his response had to been translated into eight languages so in other words they were sitting on it and if the Vatican hadn't released it they were trying they were going to try to keep it from the public eye oh wow um I mean you know they claim that it would have been inappropriate but I mean they certainly weren't uh, shy about publishing their own private letters to the pope and then mm-hmm. waiting to release them right before the synod in order and i mean i would think that it was in order to to cause as much of a mess as possible but so anyway and then towards the end of the day the vatican published in vatican news a provisional translation now i have not yet looked at cardinal burke's group's translation um since the vatican has provided a translation. I okay. would recommend looking at that one or mm-hmm. visiting where Peter is. We have a big link to the original one at the top or to, to the Vatican one at the top, but you can read what the machine, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe the machine is a, is a Vatican spy or something like that. But um, you can, you know, if you want to read ours, it's, it's legible, it's readable, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, the Vatican one, I guess is now it's the official, more official. one. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So there was a second set of jubia with answers provided by cardinal fernandez yesterday and the topic was amoris Letizia can you tell us about that one
1: yes so because cardinal burke was the one who started the firestorm and presumably cardinal fernandez was just waiting uh for th- obviously this we've seen this happen again where where um Burke or other critics of Pope Francis will drop a surprise manifesto or open letter. The first dubia situation caught the Vatican flat-footed. I think, uh, you know, Cardinal Mueller, who was the prefect of the CDF at the time, I don't even think he understood uh, Amoris Laetitia very well, so I don't know that he would have done a good job at responding to the dubia if he tried. But so this... um, but then, what was released? This the second document. So, the two documents on the DDF website. Only one of which that got only one of which got a huge amount of press was another set of dubia, by one cardinal this time, uh, Cardinal Dominic Duca. Um, he's the Archbishop Emeritus of Prague. He sent a series of questions about Amoris Letizia, which, as you may remember, is the same topic of the an- unanswered dubia. These questions were more um they were more open-ended does this you know does this passage imply that we're supposed to do this what are the regulations can different dioceses and priests set different standards um it seemed to me that his approach was cynical and I've heard he's you know he's very right-wing very conservative not a fan of Pope Francis but it seemed to me that his questions at the very least were procedural they were please answer this because I'm here in this and this like different countries have different policies. Does, um, can one diocese ban communion for all divorced and remarried while another one can, you know, has to allow it. Like, you know, these, these questions based on the rhetoric, based on the confusion that Amoris Laetitia's critics and a lot of pundits have put forward about it. you know, these questions are understandable. Um, and Mm -hmm. Cardinal Fernandez basically the gist and once again posted that on where peter is in english translation i'm not aware of an official um vatican translation but if there is i will link to it and and you can read it um but he, basically what he said is this is this is a pastoral approach it's not about rules it's about you know, a pastor who's well-formed, who cares about the the salvation and the welfare of this person whose life is, is um, you know, is in this situation that's not in line with the ideal, not in line with church teaching. And that um, priests should provide pastoral accompaniment to each person and help them discern the path forward. Discern, am I in a state of mortal sin? Um, am Am I sinning culpably, or am I in a situation where I want to get out, but it's difficult because I have pressures, internal, external? Will the sacraments help this person in their journey of faith? Obviously, if you are in a state of mortal sin, like subjectively, you've committed a sin with full knowledge, full consent, and it's grave matter, you should not present yourself for communion. A lot of people have difficulty, though, uh, discerning whether or not because, I mean, people always say holding a gun to your head. But maybe there there's pressure. Um, you won't be able to provide for your children. Um, you're you you have a huge sense of shame that you're working through. Like, can are you fully culpable for a mortal sin in these situations? And so the pastor's job is to help you discern honestly, openly. We're not trying to pull something over on God or on the church or create scandal, but it's really, can this person go to confession? Like, can we absolve them? Can we, um, can we you know, admit them to communion? Because we're not talking about um, the, the law in the church is that they are to be denied communion just based on the situation. It's not about whether they want to go or not. Now, plenty of people I'm sure go to communion without examining themselves at all. But we're talking about people who really want to get their lives right with the church. They're going to the priest. They're in these difficult situations and let's discern where you are, where the ideal is, where your spiritual life is, what kind of progress you're making. And so these are the kinds of responses. I don't know if Cardinal, um, if Cardinal Duca Will understand these responses or how he'll feel about them, but I I do want to commend him because the date that he sent it, and I don't know, this is speculation, I have no inside knowledge, but he submitted these on July 13th, and the other cardinal submitted theirs on July 10th. The timing of this is, is interesting to me. Why would Cardinal Duca have the idea to submit dubia to the holy father well i'm i'm wondering if he was asked by cardinal burke or or some of these other cardinals to take part in their dubia and i mean just sort of my charitable thought or or maybe um the at least the example that this shows whether it was intentional or not is that he went about it the right way he went about it by submitting it individually and mm-hmm. you know didn't didn't and it was the ddf it was cardinal fernandez who Published this dubia. It wasn't. It wasn't him uh, making some kind of scene.
0: Right. Right. So, to that point, much was made of the fact that Pope Francis didn't respond to the first set of dubia back in 2016. Why do you think a response was given to Cardinal Duca?
1: Well, like I said, I think I think that it was it was the proper way of doing it. He was doing it in um, a sense of, "Hey, I've got this question." I, I, I'm confused. Please tell me how to proceed. And I think that's something that is truly missing, um, from, especially from that first set of dubia in, in 2016. Now I talked about the very first question on the dubia where it was sort of like a a trap. It's if you answer, if you answer yes, they think you're a heretic. If you answer no, then basically you've, renounced what you just taught that it put the Pope in a hard place based on all of their assumptions. Um, And I think it shows why the um, why it was prudent, not not to answer. And then I think the behavior once they once they received an answer a thorough answer, like to me, Mm -hmm. it it would make more sense if they published a, I don't know, a, a video not a video, but, uh, well, maybe a video or, or a written reflection on his comments. Mm-hmm. This still causes us problems because there could be this or there could be that rather than, than just, you know, looking at the format. We wanted a yes or no and, and you didn't give us one. So, you know, he explained why a yes or no answer couldn't be given to these questions and yet they're still persisting like what do they want i think what they want is to cause discord they want to erase pope francis's teaching and i think that by responding he he did a great job and I, and i don't and once again the yes no questions and insisting on the yes no well if you can't answer that you can't answer that so they're not going to get a response i don't expect it anyway um because no answer they want they want the game in According to their rules, they want it according to their framework. And when the Pope challenges that framework, all they do is reconstruct the framework so that it still matches what they want. So that's um, it. It just kind of shows different different approaches to the, to the way that the Church operates.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of challenging frameworks, the Apostolic Exhortation Laudate Deum by Pope Francis is set to be released tomorrow. It's been described as part two of Laudato Si', and it will address environmental issues and especially the climate crisis. Anything more you can share about it?
1: Yeah, so I mean, it's it's pretty incredible. So you know, the 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 pregame for the um, for laudate deum is uh, or or for the synod is it begins with the consistory and the new cardinals, um, and then it ends on the Feast of St. Francis with the Apostolic Exhortation Laudate Deum. Um, It's expected to address several environmental issues. Um, Pope Francis has described it as an update uh, to Laudato Si' because some issues have become more and more pressing. Um, One of the themes that I've seen in some of the the pre-document discussions has been a culture of abandonment. Uh, So we'll see what that means. you know or maybe because people are abandoned because of the um you know because of the conditions they live in or they're you know they're neglected um it's expected to uh cover the misuse of natural resources um the need for us to return to a proper use of nature um as well as just the impact of environmental degradation and neglecting um the environment the way that we treat others especially those who live with fewer resources. So, and my understanding is that it will emphasize practical actions that can, um, that we can take, that can help the environment, such as uh, solar panels or the use of renewable energy. And I believe it is going to probably challenge um, a lot of US Catholics as well. My understanding, and I, you know, I don't know, but this is the buzz, um, that it will, uh, emphasize all the more because really, if you read, let out it was about integral ecology and ecological conversion and the interconnectedness of everything. It gave some practical principles about respect for environment, but I believe, um, based on what I'm hearing that La Deum will, uh, re-emphasize the importance of um, responding to climate change, which I know that there are a lot of people in, you know, especially uh, in the US, but it's an issue in other parts of the world who uh, don't believe that um, humans are responsible for our warming climate. So it'll be interesting, you know, there'll probably be some, some, some things about the economy and government responsibility that will be um that i'm sure will receive a reaction and uh depending on how things go because there are a lot of things going on in the church right now i would expect a backlash that's my prediction anyway i i don't know
0: and that's why this show will probably never be out of a job and will always need some sort of debriefing each week so thank you mike thanks for the debrief Um, friends, we've got, we've got links to all of these. I say we, Mike does the incredible work every week of putting links to these in the description. Um, the conversation is brought to you from smartcatholics.com. It's the free online community for millennials, creators, and learners. Join the private where Peter is group to ask questions, share insights and suggest topics for next time.
1: And visit wherepeteris.com to read articles, commentaries, and reflections by and for faithful Catholics who support the mission and vision of Pope Francis. Please
0: share this episode with family, friends, or followers. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the like button so that you never miss an episode of The Debrief.
1: And please help support where Peter is on uh, Patreon to help us continue to bring wonderful programming like this.
0: Yeah, exactly. Thanks again, friends, for joining us. When it comes to news and controversies in the Catholic Church, stay curious, informed, and engaged. God bless you.